What is real church ministry? Whether we like it or not, we have been forced to ask and answer this question as a result of the pandemic and what it has revealed regarding the veneer Christianity that many have been practicing. For many people, they thought real church ministry was defined by your faithfulness to attending a corporate church service. Uh, They saw their faith defined by how often they came to a campus or how often they came to a building, not understanding that when the New Testament speaks about real ministry, it's not about coming to church to have church, it's more about us recognizing that every day of our lives, we have a responsibility to be church. That God calls each of us in our own way, in our own shape, in our own fashion to be world changers. And there are some of you who are here today who live vicariously your Christian life through my preaching and through my teaching, when in actuality, as my grandmother would say, every tub sits on its own bottom. You can't get to glory, you can't get rewards and glory based on who your pastor is or what your pastor does. Each one of us has a sovereignly given responsibility to be the salt and light in the world that God has called us to be. And so today, I want to continue our thought around this idea of how to minister to make a difference. How to minister to make a difference. How to be the kind of church that, listen to me carefully, if our doors had to close, somebody would actually miss us. Besides those of us who come here, The question is, would anybody who lives around here miss us? Are we making a difference in anybody's life, locally, nationally, or internationally, to justify us being here on this planet? Now, our scripture foundation is Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Uh, It comes on the heels of Peter preaching and 3,000 souls coming to give notification of the birth of the church of the Lord. Uh, You get to Acts chapter 3, that 3,000 has been added to, and people are literally excited about their walk, excited about their faith in the Lord. And we see in Acts chapter 3 a great example, a a snapshot of what the salvation of men and women looks like. Now, unless I shared with you in part one two important points that I want to share just as a point of reminder. I shared with you, number one, you need to realize to be used by the Lord, you must make prayer your priority. The Bible says that Peter and John were on their way up to the temple. It was the ninth hour and they were going to pray. Every dedicated Jew during this time prayed at least three times a day. 
They would pray at 9 a.m. They would pray at 12 noon and they would pray at 3 p.m. Their prayer life wasn't limited to that. That wasn't the maximum amount of praying, but that was the minimum expectation that they would make prayer a priority. And the Bible says it was the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and Peter and John were on their way to the temple. I asked you this question the last time we spoke on this subject. I'm going to ask you again, how is your prayer life? And how committed are you to praying? Do you block out time in your schedule to pray? Listen to me carefully. Nobody is going to make prayer a priority for you except you. Some people may drive you to pray, but they're not going to necessarily control when you pray. And let me share something with you if you're going to guard your prayer time. When you guard your prayer time, that means you don't stop because the phone is ringing. I don't care if it's the bat signal. You don't stop your prayer commitment to answer the phone. I know what somebody's thinking. What if it's an emergency? If it's a real emergency, it'll still be one when you finish praying. You don't stop because somebody's going to get mad if you don't answer the phone. Let them get mad. And then you can pray about them the next time you pray. You have to make your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity, your spiritual journey, your priority, because nobody else is going to do that for you. Second thing I shared with you is you need to realize the Lord wants to work through you to change lives. Acts chapter 3 records the first miracle of the church, and God demonstrates his power to change what was previously unchangeable. And there's two powerful principles that come out of this story. First, that the power of Jesus is still alive. Remember, he died, he was raised from the dead, and now he has ascended into heaven. But it was important for people to know that the power of the Lord, the same power that raised him, was still available and was alive and well. Second thing related to that was not only that the power of the Lord was still around, but that God wanted to work through his followers with the power of God. In other words, here's what the Lord wanted you to know. Not only is the power of the Lord still available, but I want to work through you. I want to use you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, me? Like, God, you sure you won't use me? You know how messed up I can be, Lord? And the Lord says, absolutely. That's why I'm going to get the glory when you let me work through you the way I want to work through you, because when people see me working through you, they're going to know it's not you. They already know you. I'm going to work through you, and they're going to say, that must be God. <laughs> it must be God. There's a God somewhere. And you have to make a basic decision. Here's the basic decision you have to make. Are you going to add value to people's lives, or are you going to take value away from people's lives? Jesus always added value. He always added value to people. 
and you want to be that kind of person. Uh, today, I'm going to share with you the first point. I don't have time to get through both of them. Uh, but in part two today, I want to share with you the first thing. If you're going to minister to make a difference, you must believe a person's life will be better with Jesus than without Jesus. You must believe a person's life will be better with Jesus than without Jesus. Verse 6, Acts chapter 3, the ESV translation says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter had no silver, no gold, no money, no material goods. Now, for anybody that is sitting at any place begging, that's a bad combination. If you drive by right now and find a person on the corner saying, we'll work for food, holding a sign, and you roll down your window and say, I have no money, no silver, no gold, and no resources to give you, they're going to probably look at you and ask, why did you even roll your window down? Because at the end of the day, almost everyone in life wants more money. Every church in ministry wants more money to do more ministry in order to help more people. But here's what's interesting. How many times, listen to me carefully, how many times do you focus on what you can't do more than focusing on what you can do? I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that the overwhelming majority of us major and value what other people can do more than we value what we can do. And we focus more on what we can't do than focusing on what we can do. See, we spend so much time focusing on what we can't do that we miss focusing on even what God can do. But the text teaches us that if you don't have something to give, listen carefully, you still have someone you can give. If you can't give stuff, you can still give the Savior. Here's what the Lord wants you to understand. Peter gave the man what he had. He articulated what he didn't have, but he didn't stop there. He gave the man what he had, which turned out to be what the man really needed. Listen, you need to give what you have to help people where they are. And if you don't have anything to give, you still have Jesus. And watch this. Even if you have stuff to give, you still need to give Jesus. Do, do you understand, in, in the midst of everything that we do as a ministry, if we don't give the Lord, we're not doing the ministry that God has called us to do. If, if we gave away cars and houses to people with no Jesus, we would be missing our purpose in life. If we gave social services and legal support with no Jesus, we would be missing what God has called us 
to do. Somebody in here, here's what the Lord says to you. Do you realize that a person's life is better with Jesus than without Jesus? See, the truth of the matter is God's not in the silver and he's not in the gold. You know, there are people who think that because they have silver and gold that they have necessarily been blessed by God. And the truth of the matter is the biggest sinner, the biggest hellion, the biggest devil in town can have money. The presence of money does not necessarily indicate the presence of God in a person's life. With Jesus, you have more than you think you have because there's something about the name of Jesus. So so how how do you get to the place where you're willing to share what you know if you know that having Jesus is more important than not having Jesus? Watch this. You have to be confident, number one, that you belong to God. You've got to be confident that you belong to God. How many of you believe that you belong to God? Yeah, because watch this. You can't export what you haven't imported. You you can't sell somebody something that you haven't bought yourself. You've got to believe because you can testify about what God has done in your life. So you've got to be confident that you belong to God, and then you have to be confident in what God has done and is doing in your life. Anybody in here believe God is doing something in your life right now? Now watch this. It may not make sense to you. You may not see it all right now. As the old song used to say, you may not understand it until by and by. But if you got a track record with the Lord, you can look back over your life and see some stuff that didn't make sense yesterday, it makes sense today. But then watch this, you got to be confident, listen carefully, that God can do for someone else what he's done for you. See, here's what's amazing to me. It's amazing how many of us act like we've always been where we are right now. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. I'm not talking about you. It's just amazing how we we just act like we've always been where we are right now, and we don't want to admit that we are still a work in progress. You act like you never cuss. Like, oh my God, I can't believe I can hear that. Like some profane words have never come out of your mouth. When the truth of the matter is you still cuss, thank God you cuss less. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I see it right there. I see it. God says that you got to be better. And believe that God can make somebody else better when they come to know Jesus. Peter says, silver and gold I have none, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And and see, there's something about a name. Uh, that, That idea of a name means to call upon the authority, the power, the office of the person in that Position. There, there's certain things that happen in certain places when you use the right name. 
when you name the name of, of Jesus, you got to remember all authority is in his name. Come on, the scripture says his, his name is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that to the glory of God, he is Lord. He says, use his name. Peter says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I don't have silver and gold, but I got Jesus. Because here's what he recognizes. Silver and gold can never bring permanent happiness, health, or wholeness. At best, silver and gold might bring the temporary, but it can never bring the permanent. Silver and gold might delay you going in the ground, but silver and gold won't keep you out of the grave. (laughs) Yeah. Paul says, such as I have, give I thee. And this is our purpose for being on earth. This, this is our purpose for being here. Jesus came, Matthew 28, 18. Look at what the text says. And spoke unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Listen, our purpose for being on earth is to represent Christ and to share Christ's power with those throughout the world who need him most. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm doing better on time than I thought. Let's go to the second point. Here's the second thing. Number two, and I'm going to let you go. You must make a commitment to let people walk with you after you help them walk with Jesus. If you're going to have a ministry that makes a difference, if we're going to be a ministry that makes a difference, you must make a commitment to let people walk with you after you help them walk with Jesus. Watch what the text says. Go to verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. Are you with me? Go to verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple, there it is, with them. Don't stop there. Go to verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Now, there's been a major shift in this text. He was begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. But he's shouting at Solomon's porch. People walked by him at the temple gate. But they ran over to see what happened to him at Solomon's porch. And Peter backs up what he said by what he did. His declaration was matched by his deeds. His proclamation was matched by his practices. His word and witness were matched by his works. He, he, he brought this man 
from a place of being an invalid to being healed in the power of God. Here's what God wants to know. Are you willing to help somebody find their healing and wholeness for their life? Listen, every time I I ride down the street, I ride by and and see somebody living on the streets, homeless, and, and, and I'm not there to assess them. There's no moral judgment being cast upon them. I'm just literally, literally reminded that they are somebody's child. And nobody starts off life being asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And somebody answer as a child, I want to be homeless. I want to be a drug addict. I want to be a prostitute. No, no, nobody starts off as a child dreaming that as a life goal and aspiration. But how many of you know life happens? See, some of y'all acting like you always been saved. I understand. I understand. But the truth be told, there's a private side that you have that you don't want to be made public. Peter helps this man find healing and wholeness. Because here's what he teaches us. The truth is, for many believers, it's easier to give money and walk away than to give Jesus and walk with the person you shared Jesus with. Some of y'all missed it. Let me say it again. It's easier to give money and walk away than it is to give Jesus and walk with the person you shared Jesus with. shows us that you and I, we've got to be willing to add some work to our witness. Because our faith without works is what? Dead. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? James chapter 2 verse 14. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Watch what James says in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Here's what Jesus says to you and Jesus says to me. If we're going to be a ministry that makes a difference, if we're going to fulfill our personal potential in the Lord, it's not enough just to see the needs of the world. It's not enough just to focus our attention on the needs of the world. We've got to do something. Now, watch this, watch this. It's interesting that the Lord lays out this almost symbiotic relationship between our part, the person's part, and his part. Stay with me. Verse 7, Peter took the lame man by the right hand. He reaches down takes the man by the right hand and lifts him up. That's faith. 
The man let him. That's trust. Jesus heals him. That's power. Let me, let me, put, let me put 50 cents in the meter because I may have to stay here a little longer. Peter reaches to the man where he is. Watch this. He doesn't require the man to move from where he is to come to where he is. He reaches to the man where he is. Based on his reach, the man trusts him, puts his hand in Peter's hand, and when the man puts his hand in Peter's hand, after Peter initiates the contact with the man, the power of God moves in the midst of that relationship. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. We've got to do our part, help people do their part, and then trust God to do his part. Let me see if I can make it plain. Let me see if I can help somebody. Because here's, here's the mistake. Here's, here's the mistake that we are doing in church today. In, in, in the early church, in the early church, first century church forward, we define the success of the ministry by its going capacity, its sending capacity. We are to send people into the hedges and the highways, right? We're to find people who are hurting where they are and take the gospel to them. But around 1000 AD, a shift occurred and we changed our methodology from our sending capacity to our seating capacity. See, in the first century church, they didn't have buildings. They met in houses and they met from house to house and they defined their ministries by going. But once we started building buildings, we shifted from going and sending to waiting for sinners to come to us. And then we got mad when sinners stopped coming. Peter and John went to the temple. They found a man, reached out, and that relationship released the power of God by faith. Peter and John had faith. The man had faith, and God moved because of their faith. And the Bible says, look at verse 11. It says that the healed man clung to them. Now, now, I already know some of us don't, don't want people being clingy. Come on, you be honest. You don't like clingy people. You know, don't, don't call me all the time. Don't be up in my face all the time. Not all the time, you know. Sometimes. Some of y'all don't even want your spouses to be clingy, you know. Get, get a life. Get a friend. Do something. We ain't got to be together all the time. You know, not all the time. You know, why y'all looking at me strange? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. I'm not talking about my wife. Don't worry. I got... Better sense than to say that about my wife from the pool pitch. I didn't say that, you know. I love you, baby. <laughs> you cling to me anytime you want, girl. Anytime. Some of y'all not laughing yet. I'm praying for you right now. I'm looking at some of y'all. Y'all got that mean mug on like I ain't laughing because I'm sitting next to the person that I don't want clinging to me, okay? 
Some of y'all looking like, you better not laugh. <laughs> anyway, the text says that the man clung to them. That word cling is an interesting word because it literally means use your strength to hold fast to or to hold on to. Now, watch what happens. The man is healed. And the text says they move from the temple gate to Solomon's porch. People who walk by now are walking too because they know who this man is because they've been walking by him for years. And they want to see what happened. What, what was it that changed this anonymous lame man? What was it that changed this attitude? What was it that changed his life? His whole being has been changed. He, he's not embarrassed anymore. He's not guilty anymore. He's not hurt anymore. He's not rejected anymore. There's no more shame. He was saved and he was healed from the inside out. He's a changed man. He's standing. He's walking. He's leaping and he's praising God. Listen, anybody who's ever been changed by God, there ought to be some evidence. Lord have mercy. There ought to be some evidence that you've been changed and when somebody sees your change, they ought to be inspired to be changed by the same God who could change you. Psalm 66 verse 16 says, come in here all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Somebody said it like this. I am a living testimony. Could have been dead and gone, but the Lord let me live on. I am a living testimony. Have I got a witness in here? Anybody a living testimony? Anybody in here, if you can tell your story, we would marvel at the great things that God has done in your life. This man was born lame, but he experienced the change in his life. And now that the man could stand, there was no question where he stood. He made it clear that he had decided to make Jesus his choice. And all I'm trying to tell somebody is nobody should ever have a question about whose side you're standing on. Yeah, don't be more ready to give money than you are to give Jesus. You ought to be willing to share your testimony that you haven't always been where you are. That you've gone through the storm and the rain. That you've gone through hardship and pain. But thanks be to God, God has brought you out. Have I got a witness in here anywhere? Somebody in here right now needs to recognize it's time to make a stand for Jesus. But not only you stand, help somebody else to stand for him. It's time to stand with Jesus, but help somebody else stand with him. 
It's time to stand for Jesus. But help somebody else stand for Jesus. It's time to trust in the Lord. But help somebody else stand and trust in the Lord. Because there's still power in the name of Jesus. Have I got a witness here? There's the power to bless. There's the power to change. There's the power to deliver. There's the power to heal. There's a power to raise you up. There's the power to turn your life around. It's time to believe that he's still able to love the suffering, to take care of the lost and care for his own. Have I got a witness here? Yes, yes. There's a group of people who didn't get excited about this man's changed life because misery loves company and some folk benefit from your bad situation. But don't stop moving because somebody gets mad at you. Keep on walking, keep on following, keep on trusting in what God is doing in your life. Yes! Yes, Jesus is our advocate. He stays with us through the storm and the rain. His authority is unquestionable. His glory is undefinable. His joy is unspeakable. His judgment is unquestionable. His love is immeasurable. His power is unconquerable. His peace is unsurpassable. His truth is unshakable. His creation is unbelievable. His radiance is undescribable. His goodness is unimaginable. His presence is unmistakable. Have I got a witness here? His faithfulness is undeniable. His foundation is immovable. His mission is undefeatable. And his grace is inexhaustible. Yes! Yes! He is everything we could want. He has everything we can need that's why we need to lift him up everywhere we go lift the savior up how to reach the masses men of every birth for an answer jesus gave the key he said if i draw all men unto me oh, oh oh the world is hungry for the living bread lift the savior up for them to see trust him and do not doubt the words that he said i'll draw all men unto me lift 
the Savior everywhere you go. Lift the Savior for men to see. And he will, he will, he will draw all men unto himself. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Y'all, I'm trying to stop y'all, but Lord have mercy. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my, 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 my soul. says hallelujah hallelujah I thank God for saving me I thank God for keeping me I thank God for making a way for me yes Hallelujah. 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 You see the glory, you don't know the story. You see the anointing, you don't see the agony. Behind the scenes. Hallelujah. Anybody in here, can you just thank God for his faithfulness? Come on, thank God for his faithfulness. You look better than you feel right now. Thank God for his faithfulness in your life. Because you are a living testimony. And a ministry that makes the difference does not focus on the accumulation of stuff but focuses on the changing of lives. Meeting people where they are and walking with them from where they are to where God wants them to be. Even if you've got to let them cling to you. Even if you've got to let them walk close with you. Sometimes you've got to protect them from some other folk. Come on, come on. Sometimes you've got some lambs that you might have to protect from some goats. Everybody in their family might not be happy to see that they're saved, that they're turning their life around. Come on, I want you to think about it for a minute. The, the pimp's not going to be happy when, when the prostitute stops selling a body. The, the drug dealer's not going to be happy when the drug habit is broken and the, and the drug addict says, I'm turning my life around. There's some folk who are not going to be happy when somebody changes their life. 
but we've got to be willing to walk with them stand beside them have their back to help them walk in Jesus help them grow in Jesus and help them become what God wants them to be come on if you know I'm right give the Lord a hand of praise in here